This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, welcome to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here for another weekend edition of this show as we look at the some of the best guests we had on Sports Day throughout the week. Uh, on today's show... We're going to catch up with uh, Brad Haddon as he previews the summer of cricket that's on the way. And we're going to ask him about the changes that the Big Bash is making uh, with some of the rules. Oh, I actually think they're good changes, but we'll find out what Brad has to say. The father of Cameron Smith, not the rugby league player, but the golfer who came second at the Masters joins us. we find a little bit more out about Cameron Smith. Liam Santa Maria will wrap up the NBA draft that happened during the week. Great news for the uh, NBL with a couple of uh, players from the NBL being drafted in the first round. Some very high picks. And a young Aussie by the name of Josh Green being picked up by Dallas in the draft as well at pick 18. We'll talk to Liam about that. But right now, uh, the book that's been causing a lot of controversy this week is the new Cameron Smith book, and the author, Andrew Webster, joined us. Andrew Webster, welcome to Sports Day. <laughs> Ghost Rider. You can call me Ghost Rider. I'm like, I'm like, Whoopi, I'm like Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Ghost. Have you seen that movie? That's me. Yeah. I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> so you and Cameron Smith were... With the clay. With the clay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. Now, there's a mental image I didn't expect. <laughs> no, we'll never, forget, never get rid of that one now. Oh, God. Hey, um, Andrew, if you want to sell a book, um, I guess it helps if it's controversial. And this book, in the last few days, week, has been – there's plenty of issues that have popped up. Did you realise while you were writing it that there were so many hot topics? Badge, I have to say I knew it would be a controversial book. I knew – before I even took it on, that there'd be plenty of um, plenty of fallout from it if he was as open as I think he has been in this book. Um, I know people think that he's uh, he hasn't been, but I, I think Cameron's been very very open with a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Um, and given his opinion and his side of the story, people don't agree with it. But that doesn't mean that he's you know ducked and, and weaved as some people have suggested. I knew it was going to create a lot of traction. I just didn't quite understand it was going to, it was going to get as much traction as it has in the last few days. Yeah. It's been pretty ferocious, I have to say. Yeah, well, before we get to all the controversial stuff, did you get a real feeling and understanding of, of what drives Cameron Smith, one of the greatest players we've ever had, competitive? And on the, you know, just before we go into Origin 3, one of the great Queensland players of all time. Did you, did you really get a feeling of uh, about you know what makes him tick? I did. I, like at the core of it, he is just he comes from a from rugby league heartland in uh, in Logan. Um, he comes from a rugby league family, starting with his uh, his father. Um, and at the core of it, I just I found a uh, a simple bloke who loves a few things in this world, rugby league and his family at the top of the tree, his Kingswood and a bit of golf, and that's it. And I think that was the biggest misconception <laughs> that people have made about Cameron Smith over the years, that he loves the drama and the mystique and the publicity and the interest. He hates it because all he wants to fundamentally do is play football and be with his family. And I reckon that's the reason why it's taking him so long to make a decision about his future. And people can mm. theorise that he's made his decision, he's going to go to the Titans or he's retired or he's not going to, whatever. I honestly, as someone who's, I think, got to know him reasonably well in the last couple of years, I just think he's genuinely torn about walking away from a game 
that he loves so much and has been such a big part of his life for the last 20 years. Webby, why were you selected to write his story? Have you always had a good relationship with Cam? Um, I have, but I got I got approached by his manager, Isaac Moses, got it almost be about four or five years ago now, after a state of origin in Melbourne. And I had no idea that what it was about. He, Isaac just said, do you want to catch up for a coffee the day after the game? I said, sure. And he, he said, what about Cameron's book? And I said, mate, I'd love to. I'd love to tell the story of someone, um, you know, with a career as rich as his. Uh, there's still some more chapters to add to it, like, the 2017 season, which was arguably his greatest season out of out of the last 19. Um, but the closer it got to having to put pen to paper and to do this, the more Cameron sort of said no to it. Um, I think he was really reluctant to poke his head up. And I think in the last few years in particular, when, you know, he's certainly been bashed up, and you can say rightly or wrongly or whatever, but he has been bashed up by certain sections of the media, I think he was really keen to to shield his family from all that stuff. Um, uh, and then it came to the day after the opening match of the season last year between Melbourne and the Broncos at Amy Park, and I caught up with um, with Cameron and his wife, Barb, and discussed it, and I think they wanted to, to suss me out a little bit more, and they sort of, I think they, we sort of warmed to each other and decided to go from there. So I have to say I've, done, I've written about four or five books uh, mostly in rugby league, but this one was very, very rewarding. The whole process of sitting down with him in his backyard, and I stupidly, would you believe, went to Melbourne in November last year thinking he'd be warm, and the only warm uh, jumper I packed was my Dragons hoodie. So I had to sit in Cameron Smith's backyard in my Dragons hoodie for, for six uh-huh. or seven days to interview him, and they still they still let me through the front door after day one, would you believe? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very, very rewarding process, I have to say. Yeah, no, he's such a laid-back character, and um, did, did you? And I'm a huge fan of his Webby, you know, both on and off the field, but you know, more off the field as well. But did you learn something about him that you didn't know previously through his career? Oh, there's a whole lot of things. Just the fact that um, I think it was a meeting, or it was a, it was a session very early on there with Craig Bellamy after Craig had just come to the Storm in 2003, where and Craig's talked about this a few times, but he, he, they go into he, Cameron goes into real depth about just how much Craig Bellamy turned that club on its ear and said, "I'm going to, you know, I, I think the Melbourne Storm were a really strong team, but the outside of looking in is that they've got a bit of a soft underbelly. When things get tough, they seem to um, they seem to fall away a bit." And he said, "We're not going to be like that. I don't want you to be the most skillful, but I want you to be the hardest trainers and the hardest tacklers and." And, and be the most um, the most disciplined team in the competition. And Cameron wasn't showing signs of that early on. And as Craig says, he was training, quote-unquote, within himself. And from that day that day onwards, after Bellyache pulled him aside after some, some hill sessions in, in Melbourne in the pre-season, Cameron Smith was the best trainer that the Storm's seen. Um, and as a consequence, he's become arguably the best player we've ever seen. So that, to me, I just thought that was... That all the controversial stuff's getting a good run in the last couple of days. But at the very heart of it, this book is a football book and it gives a great insight into why Cameron Smith has become or has been as successful as he is. Mm. Are you, Andrew, were you surprised that he's working on Channel 9 tonight given the drama and the, how, how disappointed and uh, annoyed he was, the stuff that happened on, on 60 Minutes around the Alex McKinnon injury? Uh, well, if you go into the... In, in the book, he explains how he's put a lot of that behind him. He got an apology... 
Um, but even then, the apology wasn't what he was expecting. Yeah. Um, I think he, I think I think he. I'm pretty sure he appeared on Channel Nine a couple of years ago um, on their coverage. On, on their origin coverage. Actually, I think it was, yeah, was it last year or the year before? So there's some wounds there, but Cameron's been, have had a few fallouts with every section of the media. So I wouldn't <laughs> be, I don't think, uh, I don't think wherever he, wherever he pops his head up, he's, there's going to be some old baggage there. So True. I think that's probably a mature response for him to be on Channel 9's coverage tonight. Interested to hear what he has to say. Yeah. There's been speculation around him actually pulling the boots back on last year. We kind of know where that started. My co-host no, started no. a vicious rumour in this year. Was that was uh, that ever going to happen? Do you reckon he really considered it? I, I talked to him all throughout last uh, throughout this last season, uh, and I, every time I got him on the phone, I said, "Listen, it's getting floated again about you coming back for Queensland." And he said, "Absolutely no way." And I know people within the Storm were really pushing it as well, saying, "What a way for Cameron to finish his career by trying to lead um, Queensland to a series victory." But I don't think he had any. Interesting at all. I actually think mm. he, said, he said on the record recently, Barb would disown him. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, David Gallup's response on, on Tuesday, Webby, or Monday, whatever it was, early on in this week, you saw that coming, didn't you? I certainly saw it coming. Um, you know, I get on really well with David. I remember covering all the salary cap scandal uh, 10 years ago. And I remember in the interview process with Cameron for the book, challenging me on that, I, I might my jaw hit the ground when he said, I don't actually blame Brian Waldron as much as I do uh, David Gallup for the way the investigation was pushed through and the penalties were pushed through um, and the, some of the subsequent salary cap uh, findings that have happened since. I don't agree with Cameron on this. I, don't, I think it's flawed logic from him and the Melbourne Storm to be uh, pointing the finger at David Gallup. And I thought Gallup's response this week was... Um, was perfect, but you know, again, these are debatable points, and you don't have to agree with them. But it's uh, that's how Cameron Smith feels. To me, the the, way, the fact that they think that way just shows the damage and the scars that remain from that whole salary cap episode. Because you know, they feel like they were totally aggrieved in that whole process. Um, I, I can't believe that anyone at the Melbourne Storm would be think kindly of Brian Waldron when he was, yeah. quite-unquote, the chief brat. He yeah, was. he was. He was. Now, I bought the book on Monday, Webby, so I've put money in your pocket. Um, now, I haven't finished it. Another, do you want to buy another 10,000 copies for me, mate? Or? <laughs> what, what's life after rugby league look like for Cam Smith? Do you think he'll transfer into coaching very early on in his retirement, whenever that may happen? Uh, well, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I get the feeling that he would um, that he wants a break from everything. He said a really interesting thing to me, guys, and I actually can't remember whether it's in the book or not, because it's been so much said and written in the last uh, last few months about it. But he said, mate, when this is all over, I could think of nothing better than becoming a recluse in the middle of nowhere. No phone. Um, I don't know if people are aware of it or not, but Cameron Smith is so bad to get on the phone, it's not funny. And that includes his coach and his wife. Um, he just ha- tries to make things as simple as possible. And when he said that, he, he said, I said, really, you just want to disappear? He said, if I didn't have my, my family, I could easily just disappear and never be seen again. So I really get the sense that he will probably have a break. I can't see him becoming a head coach in the near future. I'd be surprised if he'd want to become head coach of Queensland in the near future, but I think he'll become mm. a specialist coach. And that, But in terms of media uh, media work, I can't see him doing day-to-day, uh, you know, sorry, week-to-week 
coverage. I don't think he'd want to travel after everything he's sort of been through and the fact that he's been away from his family for so long. So, you know, I'm not going to make an assumption on what what his future holds, but it'll certainly be in the game. Yeah, I can see him doing that. Luke Longley and Tony Lockett didn't. They disappeared into into um, anonymity. Obscurity. Yeah, yeah obscurity. Hey, um, what, why, Andrew, did he shun all of his media commitments yesterday then? Oh, look, that's, that's a question for Cameron. I was surprised as anyone when I started getting calls from colleagues yesterday morning saying that he'd, he canned all his, his media. Um, and then I was told, and I think he's been on SEN in Sydney this morning with Andrew Voss and explained that it was a, a, um, it was a family matter, a personal matter, and he right. didn't elaborate on that. So I'll just have to take him at his word, and that's the reason why he didn't do it. But he's back doing media as of today. I know it's easy for everyone to make the assumption that he threw, threw his toys out of, out of the cot and didn't like some of the negative headlines that had been attracted to um, to his book. But, um, you know, I'll... I'll, uh, I'll just go with what Cameron said and say that uh, it was a personal reason that he didn't do media yesterday. You, you bought the book, Sats. Is it as good as Kangaroo Confidential? Oh, that was your book, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 oh, I tell you, what a colouring in book. Yeah, colouring in book. Did I? Did you ever get a view of the book? No, no. Was... I tell you what I did do. I sat with P. Bedell through the, the period of six months when he wrote my dad's book. And I tell you, Webby, I take my hat off to you because it is exhausting. It's pretty tough. Like Cameron, Cameron was great because he has like a photographic memory, basically. So he'd rattle off times in think, when things happen in matches at certain times and scores. And I go and check the records or the replays, and he was he was spot on. So um, oh. he made it easy. But the the hardest thing is the ghost from the ghostwriter's point of view is the stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor. Mm. Um, and as a journal, I'm always going to want a hell of a lot more than what's going to be published. Um, and that's the case with every book, except for Jim Cassidy's who I've done. And, and Jimmy, you had to pull back. He was like might and power. He wanted everything. Oh, I could imagine. <laughs> yes. There he goes, oh, ladies and good. gentlemen. The King Ghost Rider, Andrew Webster, with uh, Cam Smith's book. It's out now. It's the autobiography, The Storm Within. Get it at all good bookstores. Are there still bookstores? Yeah, I'll, 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 still I'll, I'll still go to the local bookstore. I still always buy my books. Really? Uh, but Webby, we appreciate your time, mate. Good that you could chat to us today. And thanks for joining us on Sports. Thanks so much, boys. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart's tyre and wheel specialists. Welcome back to Off The Bench. We look at the best interviews from the week from Sports Day. I'm Jason Matthews. Uh, Earlier in the week, uh, Badge and Sats caught up with a very special guest, of course, this man's son came second in the Masters behind Dustin Johnson. In fact, had Dustin Johnson not shot 20 under, which was a new record, by the way, uh, this guy, Cameron Smith, actually shot a score good enough to win the Masters any other year. Anyway, got his dad on the phone. His name's Des. Think about this bloke. Des Smith, the father of Aussie golfer Cameron Smith, who was the runner-up, and what a magnificent uh, four rounds he put together. Des is on the line. How are you, mate? I'm great, thanks, Gary. How are you? Yeah, going going great. Have you caught up on that sleep yet? Um, yeah, I was a lot functioning a lot better today, actually. And, and what about catching up with uh, with Cameron? Yeah, we've had a few chats since uh, Sunday. It was good. Oh, well, Monday morning, sorry. And. Just tell us about how the family felt, um, you know, and, and that I didn't realise at the time, and I don't even know if Cameron realised that 
He's put the only player in history to put together four sub seventy rounds at the Masters. Uh, how, how did that make you and the family feel? It's a pretty good achievement considering um, they've had uh, a lot of pretty good players play around oh, that yeah. place. Yeah. How will it, how will he react to not getting the green jacket? I mean, he was so far ahead at some stage, Justin Johnson. Many just thought it was going to be a formality. Did he prepare himself just to try and finish as close up the leaderboard as possible? And how does he react to not eventually getting a, a green jacket? Um, I don't think Cam ever um, thinks he's, he's um, not in contention. I don't think anyone, any of those guys are ever playing for second. You know, golf's a funny game. Anything can happen on a Sunday. It's just um, um, he started off pretty good and he didn't just didn't make enough birdies on the back nine, but then Dustin ended up being too good. How's Mum feel about his mullet and Dad feel about his mullet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes through he goes through phases with the hairdo. I, I think if I say something about it, he won't shave it off. So I just leave it. Ah, yes. What about the background of Cam, Des? When did he get his first set of clubs? When he, did he start getting that first interest? Um, I think since he was a toddler, really. Um, we're, we're a golfing family, so yeah, he, he had the plastic clubs and then just graduated into the bigger stuff as the years went by. Did, did you know he was a real talent, Des? Did you, you know, what age was he, I guess, when you... Maybe when he started beating Dad, or he started to show some some uh, real talent for it. Uh, he had um, pretty good hand-eye coordination, pretty much as soon as he could walk, and he could hit the ball pretty good. So, um, I think he beat me the first time when he was twelve years old. So, and he had a he had a wonderful amateur career, and so nobody in our family is really surprised at what he's doing because, you know, we all think he's he's excellent, but. Um, yeah, he's always been pretty good. Yeah, is it, it, you, he's based in the US now. Is that right, or has he been able to get back here? How long since you've actually spent some time together? Um, he's been based in the US for probably the last five five years full time now, and he comes back usually twice a year. Um, but the last time we've seen him because of this COVID situation was uh, probably late. December, early January last year. Oh, wow. So, so nearly 12 months. So, But now that was the first Masters I've missed, so I mightn't get an invite back now after that result. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, bad omen. Now, um, you talk about the Masters, I suppose it's not far ahead, is it, When you, if the calendar remains pre-COVID? It's only, what, five or six months until the next Masters in April. What happens between now and, and April, if if the Masters is held on the same the same timeline, um, I think a lot, a lot depends um, with the uh, rules and regulations um, going. But he, he's played very well there when it's played in April before. He's had a he's had a fifth there, and, and he loves the golf course. And if you've been there when it's perfect, it's it's an amazing place. I mean, there's not too much to dislike about it. Was there one favourite shot? from the four, four days. I loved on the final day. I think it was the ninth par four, his second shot from underneath the tree off the off the uh, fairway. I thought he showed great composure. Yeah, yeah, that was a great shot. Uh, I think the eagle he made the day before on, mm. on the uh, 15th hole with his seven wood was, uh, was pretty amazing too. Um, you could, with the app, you could see every shot he played. So he, he played awesome the whole week. 
Mm. Do, do parents get some sort of special exemption now that he's finished second at the Masters with a record <laughs> under under 70 in every round? Do parents, did you say? Yeah. Family. Uh, no, I think I think we'll still get our free ticket next year, but that's if we're allowed to go. Uh, <laughs> if we can go, yeah. Beautiful stuff. Hey, uh, Des... I just want to, just before we let you go, Des, now we know that if you win the Masters, you get to choose what's on the menu the following year. Now, if Cam Smith had won the Masters last during the week, what would have been on his menu? Geez, that's a hard one. It, it would probably be a, a ribeye on the bone with some um, baked veggies or something like that. I'd say. Oh, beautiful. Is that mum's mum's best meal? <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say that. But Cam's a pretty good cook himself. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Right, listen, we're going to let you go, Des. We really appreciate your time, Des Smith. There, uh, joining us on Sports Day, father Thanks, of Des. Aussie golfer Cameron Smith. Sats has swallowed a fly oh, or something in the studio. So we're going to get to a break, Des. Thanks very much for joining us, mate. Thanks, boys. This is off the bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane Teamart's number one tire and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mars, tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here for your weekend. And now, of course, State of Origin, done and dusted. Well done, Queensland. You did well. It's time to move into the cricket season. The ODIs start next week, and we thought we'd catch up with Brad Haddon in just over a week's time. Next Friday night, the first ODI kicks off at the uh, the SCG of yeah. Australia taking on India. I can't wait for that. Time to catch up with a man who who uh, kept wickets for Australia. He's just come actually sitting in hotel quarantine, begging for people to ring him, Badge. Uh, yeah, we're just going to just... give his number out at the end of the <laughs> chat, actually. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just returned from the IPL where he was assistant coach for the Sunrise. Brad Haddon, welcome to Sports Day, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's brutal in this hotel quarantine, but it's the new normal, isn't it? How, how you yeah. keep? Are you, are you a week into your quarantine? Is that what you're roughly into at the moment? I think it's a year and a half. I'm in. Um, no, it's a, it's a it's a week. Yeah, so I've been lucky enough. Um, some mates have dropped some exercise equipment off and, and some meals, but yeah, I'm a week in and it's brutal. So how do you keep yourself busy? What, just exercise, social media, Netflix? What are you doing to keep yourself sane? Yeah, it's, it's all the above. Um, the exercise, the hard thing is you, you have no windows. You've got no fresh air for, for 14 days. But no, you do a bit of reading. You've got, your, you've got Netflix. Um, yeah, and you just annoy your mates on the phone, basically. Well, at so, least you're better off doing it there than in Hyderabad. At least uh, that would be a little bit better. In, where are you? In Sydney? Yeah, I'm in Sydney. So, yeah, we've just had... Uh, just on just over two months in Dubai under strict um, strict bubble with the IPL, so yeah, we've come back into the fourteen day quarantine. So it'll be good to get back to a bit of normality and get home. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. the beast we're living these days. Yeah, uh, before we talk to cricket, actually, I guess you you would have um, well, you watched a fair bit of TV, including the Origin last night. A bit oh, of a geez. tough one to handle for for a Blues man. Yeah, it was. It, it was a tough one to handle. It's uh, been away so long as the first uh, rugby league I've seen in a while. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the game. But to, to watch that, yeah, Queensland um, were good. They like they had that 18th man back with the the crowd, which was a good thing to get yeah. back into the game. So yeah, it was um, yeah, it was good to to be a Queenslander. I imagine uh, last night. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was great. Hey, um, now that we're only um. 
what, a month away from the first pink ball test. We're going to have some, um, some limited over stuff before that. Uh, Adelaide, they're in a lockdown. There's some doubt around that. Do you think they, they need to make a call or they will make a call on whether they're going to play in Adelaide or, or, or take it somewhere else pretty soon? Yeah, I, I think we've still got some time up our sleeves. As you said there, it's, a, it's still a month away. Um, so I think we've got some time on the hands there. Personally, I, I'd like to see the first test um, at Adelaide. I, I think the, the introduction of a pink ball test is really exciting. And, and I, I think to kick kickstart the, the test match against India this series, I, I think it would be great to, to get the pink ball game ahead. Adelaide Oval is a beautiful oval and, and, it, and it really lights up for, for day-night cricket. Yeah, look, it, if if it moves away from Adelaide, let's say they don't get this COVID under control, and today, I think day one, I don't think there's been any more uh, cases of COVID in, in South Australia, which is good news. Let's say it's not in Adelaide. When 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 do you think Cricket Australia need to make a decision on that, Brad? Oh, my, my gut feel is probably um, conversations happening now, but behind the scenes. I think in this day and age, you, you need to have a a plan B, especially with what, what's going on. So oh, I think conversations would, would be having right now. I, I know the SCG have come out and said we'll be ready um, at short notice if needed. I'd be very surprised if Perth wouldn't say the same thing. I know they, they were disappointed to, to miss a test match this summer. So I'd, I'd be very shocked if they said they couldn't uh, host it at short notice as well. Even your old hometown of Manuka Oval, mate, could host uh, its first ever... Would it be the first ever test match if it went to Manuka? Have they had a test there? Yeah, we, we were lucky enough to get one a few years back, the first ever test. Uh, Australia had a win against um, Sri Lanka. So that, mate, that's be great. right. Yeah. yeah, they've got great facilities down there. Um, I, I know the Big Bash hub's going down there as well for a bit. So, yeah, Canberra uh, definitely ready to, to host a test match. And, and Mad... Imagine getting the status of Australia v India in the first test in Canberra. It'd be great for the region. And the only one that Coley uh, is actually playing in on that, can India win? We've spoken to other, you know, cricket commentators. Can India win this series without Coley being here for the majority of it? Um, I hope not. Um, I tell you what it does, <laughs> Bill. It's a lot of uh, a lot of theatre around that first test, doesn't it? Um, yes. He, he's one of the best players in the game. Everyone's got an opinion on on the way he plays the game. He plays with a lot of emotion. Um, India now, the one thing they do have is a lot of middle order batsmen and and batsmen. So you, you never replace someone like that. But they've, they've got enough players in that position um, to still be a very very competitive Indian team. Yeah, I imagine they've got some great depth. And you've, you've seen it firsthand, played on the subcontinent. And our assistant coach, as we mentioned off the top at, at Sunrisers Hyderabad, just can you just explain the, uh, the, how rabid the fans are over there? Maybe compared to Queensland. Like Queensland last night, 50,000 fans. Most of them were going for Queensland. They really, as you said, the 18th man, they really helped the Maroons. But what's it like in India with the, uh, with the cricket fans? Yeah, you can you can use last night as an example. Like as you've seen the the way the crowd got involved, and the you had the the fifty thousand crowd there, which was which was great for for Queensland and everyone to watch. But just going to India is it's hard to explain. It's hyped. It's, they, they've got one billion um, supporters, and, and they only have one passion, and their one passion is cricket. So it's great to go over and witness once um, if you can as a spectator because the. The support they get at home and the love that they have for their national team 
Uh, it, it can be confronting. Uh, I think over time, Australia has learned to embrace it and, and enjoy that, that contest. So, But they've got one billion people over there, um, yeah, wanting a piece of you. Yeah, and the IPL is absolutely massive, I'm sure. Um, the Big Bash is, you know, it's, it's, it's big here. Um, I wouldn't say it's on the same scale. I imagine you'd say the same. Are you, are you across the tweaks they're making to the Big Bash, Brad? And Have you got any thoughts on that stuff, the bash boost and the power surge? And... Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, if I'm honest, I, I think it's unnecessary. I, I think it's a real concern. And, and I reckon it's a little bit of a misguided attempt to cover up a few things that, that need to change in the Big Bash. Like For one, to me, we've got to find a window where we get the best international players. We want to see mm. A.B. De Villiers competing against Rashid Khan and, and Mitch, um, oh, Mitch Stark, for example. And and on the other one, you want to see our players playing. You want to see the best of what Australia has to offer, whether that's the whole way through the tournament or the back end at, at the finals. We see last year when you had Steve Smith, Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon come back for the last half of the sixes. It, it just gave the the competition a, a boost and and all of a yeah. sudden everyone was talking about it again so yeah I, i'm not a big fan of of what they've done with the the rule changes i just think it was um unnecessary uh the odis kick off uh next friday at the scg so what are we eight days away um a couple of questions what can we expect from the fourth ranked Aussies, and also uh, Justin Langer's come out today and said Cameron Green's batting could earn him a, te- a test spot, but he needs to bowl in the ODIs. Do you think that'll happen? Um, I hope so. Um, I-, I think it's a it's a great form of the game to to get Cameron Green in. Um, I-, I think he's going to be one of those players for Australia for a long time, um, and just to just to give him a taste, he's going to have a um, great leading to to this. I know the bubble can be uncomfortable for, for a lot, but it also allows young guys like Green to, to get into the system, see how things work, get to know everyone, um, because you've got nothing else to do but introduce yourself to the te- your teammates, find out a bit about each other, um, and, and learn a bit about the game and what, what it's like to play for Australia. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for guys like that to, to have a crack in the one-day um, arena because you, you've got test matches against India, and also, in 12 months' time, you'd, you'd imagine you want someone like Green available for the Ashes. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, outstanding. He is. Hey, I also saw on the news today, Brad, get your thoughts on this. It looks like England are going to tour Pakistan uh, next year. I'm not sure if you're across this, which is a big boost uh, for Pakistani cricket. It means they can play at home instead of basing themselves in Dubai. How important is it for, for world cricket that the likes of Australia and, and, and even India, if they can, tour Pakistan? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a global game, isn't it? And, and you want... One of the beauties of playing in national cricket is testing yourself on different surfaces and, and under different conditions. And, and Pakistan ha- haven't had international cricket for some time. Um, they've just started their, the PSL over there, which, which has gone back to Pakistan after having a couple of years in, in Dubai. And it's also good, good for the Pakistan players to have the opportunity to, to play in front of their home crowd. We're, we're talking a lot about the passion that the Indians have for, for their team. And, and Pakistan's right up there as well. So... It, it, it'll be good for them to, to start getting cricket back in their home country. Did you play there, Brad? Because it's a pretty dangerous spot, or, or it can be. Yeah, I did. I, I toured a couple of times there, um, once with Australian 19, and 
Um, that was on a shoestring budget, so that was a bit different to what we're lucky <laughs> enough to do with the, the Australian A team. So, but yeah, I, I remember going there in um, uh, when was it '97, um, and I, I remember getting. They talk about Delhi Belly, and, and I remember getting a, a dose. And mate, I, I thought it was over. I, I've never felt so sick in my life. <laughs> and yeah, when it's 150 degrees too, I'm sure it's not fun. Hey, have you got the coaching buggy? Are you going to try to get uh, do some coaching over here uh, in the near future? Uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I've done a little bit the, the last few years. I was um, one of Justin Langer's assistants for a while. Did the the World Cup and, and the Ashes. I, I enjoy um, helping the guys out and parting the knowledge on that you've learnt to the game. The game's been great to me. Um, I enjoyed IPL. Um, it's a different um, mindset going and coaching fran- franchise cricket with with owners and and different things involved and a lot of lot more moving parts. But but I I do enjoy. Um, um, helping guys out and seeing them uh, get their full potential. Yeah. All right, mate. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we know you're bored in uh, quarantine. <laughs> we'll call you again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Hey, be- before we let you go, what what are your plans for summer? A bit of time off? Are you doing some commentary? What are you up to? Yeah, I've got um, – once to get out of here, we've got, I've got a couple of weeks off, which would be good to uh, introduce yourself to the family and kids again. But uh, I've got some um, – I'm still – I uh, do a lot of work with Fox. I've got that coming up during the summer. Um, yeah, and then I'll be travelling around doing some stuff with the cricket. So, no, I'm excited as anyone to, to see India play. And it's, um, yeah, it'll be great for everyone to, to watch the theatre of an, um, India versus Australia. Yeah, can't wait. Kicks off, uh, as I said, next Friday at the SCG with the first one day. Brad Haddon, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. No worries, boys. Have a good day. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back soon for Bob Jane T-Mart's number one tyre and wheel specialists. We're back. This is Off The Bench for Bob Jane T-Mart's tyre and wheel specialists. Yeah, Jason Matthews here. Uh, Before we wrap up today, the NBA draft happened on Thursday and some NBL players did really well getting picked up in the first round. To tell us what happened, uh, Liam Santa Maria, who's an NBL correspondent for us here on Sports Day, joined us. How are you, fellas? Yeah, good, good, mate. Great result for Aussies and NBL players today in the NBA draft. Really good result. Yep, two NBL players and an Aussie, all picked in the first round. So what a great result. LaMelo Ball went number three to Charlotte after his season with the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL. And uh, and then the next one off the board was Josh Green, the, the Sydney-born uh, baller who's been playing at the University of Arizona. He went at, at 18 to Dallas. Um, so he sort of rose up the draft board a little bit, which was great. And then uh, and then we had RJ Hampton at 24, uh, who he got drafted by the Bucks. That went to the New Orleans Pelicans, and he ended up with the Denver Nuggets through, through the draft day <laughs> trades that always happen. So it was whack, whack, whack in that first round and uh, a big result for the NBL and Aussie Hoops. Now let's go back to those uh, individual uh, draftees and let's kick it off with the Aussie Josh Green who is from Sydney, um, an Australian mum, an American father. This is him being drafted today in the NBA. With the 18th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Josh Green from Sydney, Australia and the University of Arizona. So Josh Green spent a lot of his childhood in Australia, but moved to the United States to 
sharpen his basketball skills, and that he did. What does this mean for young kids in Sydney right now who have got a basketball in their hands and want to and, and want to take that next step? Is is this just something that you that just encourages you to go that extra step? Do you know what? I think it's just another kind of um, beat to that drum, to be honest, because I reckon kids around the country in Australia with the success of you know, a long history of guys. Talk about Luke Longley and then and then Andrew Bogut, the number one pick 15 years ago, and then Ben Simmons. He's an all-star now after going number one. And, you know, and then we have guys like Dante Exum, the fifth pick, and then Josh Green here, the 15th pick. I mean, the 18th pick, sorry. I think it's well known amongst kids in Australia right now that if you play basketball and you love it, um, there's a system here in Australia that's uh, set up to be able to help you develop and the sky's the limit you could one day be playing under the bright yep. lights in the nba and josh green's just the latest example of that what's the system like he's going to in dallas mate will he get good opportunities actually it's a perfect landing spot if you ask me um they're a really smart organization a great head coach with rick carlisle and you know a really clever front office who have a long history of um drafting and signing um, international prospects. So they have a really good perception of, of basketball across the world. Their two stars are Luka Doncic, who plays the point guard position, and Chris Stapps Porzingis, the big guy. So to bring in a guy like Josh Green, who's a, a 3 and D wing, he can space the floor, play without the ball, and then knock down triples, and, th- and that shot's just going to get better. And he's a really, really high-level defender, He's a genuine chance to become a part of that rotation and fit in really well within that team. So he's got to be wrapped with, with how things played out today. Not only did he mm. get picked a little higher than maybe some thought, he's landed at a perfect organisation. Liam, you, you mentioned some uh, some other Aussies that have uh, have, have made it uh, in the NBA. And How high is Australian basketball and, and our players on, on the list there, as far as the the American scouts go, are they all swarming and, and checking it out? Or are, are, no, are we, are we ahead of most other countries outside of the US? For sure. Um, and, geez, I mean, you, can only, you only need to look at the performance of our boomers on the world stage, right? I mean, we've been right there in that top four, battling it out for a medal at the last few major championships, the Olympics and, and the World Cup. So... Um, look, there's a firm understanding in the States at the NBA level and um, amongst people in NBA front offices that there's that this is a hotbed of basketball talent. Um, and I think the NBL, the Next Stars program that the NBL has put in place to bring high-level American prospects over here as well just kind of further adds to that attention and mm. creates a, a bigger incentive then for, for GMs and scouts to to make their way down here to watch our guys play. And so obviously those guys benefit, but also other guys benefit as well because when scouts come to a ball game to watch a certain player, there's a good chance they're going to notice somebody else as well. Mm. And that's a great opportunity for, for guys within our league. And the NBL kicks off in the uh, the middle of uh, January. Are there any players this year that, that could potentially be drafted next year uh, in next year's NBA draft that we should be keeping an eye on in the NBL? Great question. Great question because, yes, there are uh, two in particular 
Um, obviously, we saw those two next stars um, in Ball and Hampton go in the first round today. Well, the two really exciting next stars in the league this season are actually young Aussies. Uh, Josh Giddy for the Adelaide 36ers, son of former Melbourne Tigers championship player Warwick Giddy, as is Mojave King. Um, who will be playing for the Cairns Taipans, another... This has been Off the Bench, thanks to our great mates at Bob Jane T-Marts. We'll catch you Monday night for Sports Day. Have a great weekend.